Hello everyone, welcome to another special episode of the Equality in Business podcast, a podcast created to raise awareness about equality in the business world by actively engaging students about relevant topics in a professional manner. My name is Diana Simões and I am a first year master's student at Catholic Lisbon. To celebrate Human Rights Day, Today's episode will be focused on raising awareness about Uyghurs and how this minority is having their human rights threatened. Our guest today is Ramilia Bakieva. A very warm welcome to you, Ramilia. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, sure. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ramilia, and I'm currently the Shopper Marketing Manager at Procter Gamble Kazakhstan. I had my BA in Economics and my MA in English Language and Literature. I'm very glad to be a part of this important podcast and specifically to celebrate the Human Rights Day with you, dear Diana. Thank you for inviting me. This topic is so important to me as I'm an ethnic Uyghur living in Kazakhstan, while knowing what is happening with my ethnicity nowadays is like heartbreaking. Uh, I'm very glad for having this opportunity. You told me many mm -hmm. things about Uyghurs before, and I truly mm -hmm. believe this is a story that must be shared. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, we would like to start with a little ritual. At the end of each uh, podcast episode, our guest asks a question related to equality to our next guest. In mm -hmm. our last episode, we spoke with Atina Cunha about motivation, and the question she left for you was if you could point in a work environment concrete successes that have resulted from having positive relationships with co-workers or clients. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the question. Well, I have been working full-time for almost two years only. So when I worked as an English instructor at the university, we were supposed to create a syllabus for the second-year students. And, you know, my positive relationship with a co-worker made the working process successful as we finished it and it was complete. Also, other co-workers pointed at our, at our brilliant work since it included all the feedback from previous years as well as concrete and organized syllabus uh, for each week. I can also give you an example of my time as a president of ISIC organization during my bachelor studies. So we were organizing the event, which was called Developing Leadership Day, with our general sponsors, so I can call them our clients as well. And during the actual event, we had some problems with the venue. Uh, however, since we built good rapport with our sponsors, we were able to solve the situation at hand, quickly reorganized all the participants, and the event went successful. So these are two examples, as one shows the proper working environment, while the other shows how positive relationship uh, can help you during some failures occurring in the process. So I hope I answered the question. Yes, I totally agree mm -hmm. with what you just mm -hmm. shared. Thank you for, the, for your answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and moving on to today's topic, uh, mm -hmm. and having the belief that most people from Western countries have never heard about Uyghurs, I would like to ask you to share with us some traditions or differentiation aspects from the Uyghur culture. Yes, sure, definitely. Uh, I assume only a few people know about Uyghurs, like you said. Uh, so the Uyghurs are Turkic-speaking Muslims from the Central Asian region. Uh, the Uyghurs speak their own language, which is similar to Turkish, and we see ourselves as culturally and ethnically close to Central Asian nations. Also, we are, the one, uh, are among the oldest Turkic-speaking peoples of Central Asia in general. Uh, the Uyghurs are the largest minority ethnic group in China's region called Xinjiang, uh, it is a large province that takes up uh, one-sixth of the area of China. Nowadays, there are about 12 million Uyghurs, mostly Muslim, uh, who live there. And um, uh, the region is called like Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. 
What about other Uyghurs? There are around 300,000 Uyghurs living in other countries like Kazakhstan or like around the world, you know. We have our own dancing and music. Uh, we love dancing. And you can find special dances in YouTube. It is very beautiful. I really enjoy watching them. Also, Uyghur cuisine is noted for being, you know, tasty. Uh, we can also say that it's inexpensive all over China. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can find the most authentic Uyghur food probably in Xinjiang because it's like the majority uh, region where we live, like Uyghurs live. Uh, we love eating like lots of vegetables and fruits, uh, roast mutton, roast beef, dairy products and other stuff with lots of nuts and fruits. So that's like uh, the answer for this. I have actually seen uh, on YouTube some of the dances and music. Really? really some, yeah, it's really something else. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's like, it's so nice. I really like it too. Yeah. You I, can I, feel it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you for the, the explanation. And I mm -hmm. also wanted to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about the history of Uyghurs and how religion is such an important topic in this matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. About the history of Uyghurs, it can go back to, you know, 300 BC. But I would like to tell you about the 19th and 20th century, as it left significant trace to Uyghurs and the region they were settled. So initially, the Uyghurs' homeland was called Kashkaria, but in, 19th, in the 19th century, King China invaded the region and renamed it as Xinjiang, which means new territory. So nowadays, it's still called like that. Uh, but uh, Uyghurs call their homeland East Turkestan because of its connection and closeness to Turkic-speaking countries. So it's not just about Uyghurs living there. There were like a lot of other Turkic-speaking ethnicities like Kazakhs, uh, Uzbeks, Kyrgyz, and etc. Uh, so there were like two attempts to regain independence by Uyghurs in the 20th century. One was called the first East Turkestan Republic and the second uh, was called the second East Turkestan Republic. Unfortunately, they were both destroyed. So in uh, 1949, with the communist China taking over the whole country, Uyghurs delegations were supposed to meet the Chinese leader, Mao Zedong, to talk about their independence again. But, you know, there was a mysterious plane crash that killed most of Uyghur delegations and leaders. It is still uncertain what was the cause of all killings, but, you know, I can assume and many people can assume the true cause. Uh, in 1955, uh, Xinjiang province was renamed Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, uh, and from now, from that moment, it's still called like that. So now let me tell you about the importance of religion for Uyghurs. Uh, the Uyghurs are predominantly Muslims. They have been practicing Islam for centuries, tracing their religious influence back to 10th century. Uh, it is part of our identity. You know, religion somehow helped the Uyghurs to become who they are, affecting our way of life, you know, customs, traditions, dances, and etc. cetera. Uh, I can tell that personally, I'm not, uh, like uh, religious institutionally, but I can say that for many other like Uyghurs who are living there specifically, religion is so important. It's our identity, like it's their identity. So from 1990s till 20 2010, so there were like um, East Turkestan independence movement, separatist conflicts and influence of radical Islam, which uh, as you know, escalated because of Islamist movements in Middle East, 9-11 attacks, so all of this have resulted in the unrest in the region with occasional terrorist attacks and clashes between uh, government and the so separatist forces. So because of that, the Chinese government blamed everything on Islam and specifically on Muslim Uyghurs in the region. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's like that. Let me ask you, if I may, what is the current state of Uyghurs in China nowadays? Uh, I would say that uh, this is the hardest question, uh, honestly, because... Um, Nowadays, like the current states is 
outrageous, devastating, and heartbreaking. Uh, I can't even find words to describe how miserable I am to know about it. You know, in a few words, it's about the cultural genocide of Uyghurs. So, like, because of those uh, separatist and extremist attacks in 2009, uh, nowadays Xinjiang is covered by a pervasive network of surveillance, police, checkpoints, cameras that can that scan everything, like from number plates to individual faces. So according to Human Rights Watch, people are also using, uh, police are also using a mobile app which monitors people's behavior, such as how much electricity they're using, how often they uh, use their front door, uh, and etc. And the, I, I think the most outrageous fact is that starting from 2015 in Xinjiang region, China started building concentration camps and they call them re-education camps, where mostly Uyghurs and other Muslim and Turkic-speaking groups are held. According to the like last year's research and finding, there were around 400 camps. Like, can you imagine, uh, 21st century we have concentration camps where Uyghur population as well as other Turkic-speaking uh, Turkic speaking people are like held there. Also, China has detained more than one million Uyghurs again. Their will over the past few years sentenced them like to prison terms. Uh, some people believe that there were around 3 million of people there, again, uh, mostly Uyghurs. There's also evidence that Uyghurs are being used as forced labor and uh, of women being forcibly sterilized. Some former camp detainees uh, have also alleged they were tortured and sexually abused. Like, uh, it's crazy. Amnesty and Human Rights Watch and other organizations, are like uh, international organizations, they blame, of course, and accuse China of committing this genocide against Uyghurs. But the Chinese government's answer is that re-education camps are there to combat separatism and Islamist militancy. Mm -hmm. Also, because of uh, pressure from the international organization, China allowed some BBC reporters to visit those camps. And, you know, like if you look at those uh, like reports, they made it so happy and beautiful as if all of their detainees are happy to be there, are happy to study. But in reality, those detainees that were able to survive and leave China, they describe all the tortures and abuses uh, they faced. It is obvious that China is trying to eradicate Uyghur culture, but you know, to make sure that the world doesn't think so, uh, as if the world is like, uh, I don't know, blind and stupid, I don't know. Unfortunately, we still cannot help Uyghurs because of uh, China's growing power, like economically, and of course, everyone knows about it. But all we can do is to talk about it and, you know, make people know about this so that with the pressure from the world, they would stop destroying Uyghurs. That's why, you know, I also told you about this uh, during our meeting in Kiel, so that yes. more people know about this. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. terrifying what you just described. And I, I really hope that in the future, mm -hmm. international organizations make bigger efforts to fight mm -hmm. these yeah, for these persons' so. rights, actually. Yeah. But thank I, you. I, Mm -hmm. I need to ask you, how do you know about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question because you know that China is very secret about this. Uh, like surveillance is very hidden and they have this strong state propaganda that brainwashes its citizens. Like I can tell you from my personal experience, I lived with a Chinese uh, roommate during my master studies and like she doesn't know about this and she believes in what the media of China says. So, but uh, however, we have some news from the reliable news websites such as BBC and CNN, as well as from the interviews from the uh, ex-detainees of those camps. Importantly, some detainees are still afraid that China will uh, find their location and kill them for speaking the truth. We have a lot of protests going on in different countries because 
Uyghurs like are trying to find their relatives who went missing during like 2017 till today. They cannot reach them. And you know that if you visit Xinjiang, you can find how cities are empty, all religious establishments are crashed or like not working. Honestly, I wish I could visit Xinjiang and see my Uyghur counterparts' lives because like I was born in Kazakhstan. Uh, but uh, I want to be there to see everything, to eat food, to see traditional dances. But there is no more of that. Plus, I'm not sure if I'm able to leave Xinjiang once I'm there because like, it is possible that they would detain me, I don't know, sterilize and even sexually abuse me, eventually killing me. I have this privilege of being born in Kazakhstan and living here where I can be Uyghur and be proud of who I am without being afraid of being tortured or killed. So, yeah, it's very bad. Yeah, terrifying. Um, since you've mentioned you're currently living mm -hmm. and working in Kazakhstan, can mm -hmm. you share with us your personal experience on topics like gender equality in the labor market there? Yeah, yeah of course, I would definitely like, would like to share it with you. Also, it would be like a good, uh, you know, change a little bit because uh, talking about Uyghurs and the current state is quite, you know, hard yeah. um, to talk about it. So uh, about your question, uh, I can tell you about the latest statistics. So in Kazakhstan, the participation rate of women uh, in the economically active population in 2018 was around 64.8%, which is 11.11 percentage points lower than among men. Of course, it is slightly changing, but still there is like significant gap. Uh, women are also paid 34% less than men. Earnings of Kazakhstani women are most often less than men's earnings for the same type of labor activity, even for traditionally female professions. Uh, moreover, like according to the labor court of the Republic of Kazakhstan, women are still denied access to uh, 191 types of work related to adverse uh, working conditions and the performance of hard physical work. Uh, of course, it's changing because up to 2018, it was 287 and then it changed to 191. Probably nowadays it's uh, a little bit less. But, uh, you know, the most primary factor remains um, the gender segregation of vocational education, which lays this foundation for sexual differentiation of employment. And from a personal experience, um, I can say that women are more represented in service sectors like education, healthcare, accommodation and nutrition which is quite similar to many other countries. Um, but, you know, the big problem is that women have to combine their work with family responsibilities. Since our country is mostly conservative, women are more pushed uh, to get married, raise children, rather than getting education and pursue their career goals. Uh, such an important element as unpaid domestic work, which is mainly occupied by women, is still not recognized. Uh, but we have this tendency to work in international organizations as it provides equal opportunities in comparison to Kazakhstani national companies. For instance, in my company right now, there are more women in leading positions, as well as equal pay for all workers, regardless of their gender. That's uh, really it is, good to see. Yeah, I know, right? That's why, you know, I was like trying to pursue such kind of organizations, because it's crazy uh, when you know that you deserve the equal pay and you cannot get it. And um, you just try to find the most, like, <laughs> the best... Uh, like place for you, which meets your needs and etc. Uh, also, another thing that is changing is that um, I have been seeing lots of female friends like who are opening their own business and building up, building it up from scratches. We have a lot of potential in our women, and I hope that with some time, uh, every woman of Kazakhstan will find her way in the labor market and get equal pay and opportunities because we deserve this. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, for sure. It is mm -hmm. extremely important to talk and share these testimonies. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I also wanted to ask you the following. Um, how can a woman living in a more conservative culture be more independent? Mm -hmm. I really like this question, honestly, because uh, this question involves this. A woman living in a conservative culture to become more independent. Everything about me. So I think that the key to this is education. So we have to be educated in order to know our rights. When you are educated, you know that you deserve to be free and uh, pursue your own goals and ambitions. You can distinguish between what is right for you and what is wrong. All of my female friends are educated and they speak up their minds and truths and do not allow others to abuse their freedom. I understand that this problem is prevalent in many countries. And what I wish for every single woman of this world is get educated and know that you are not alone and you deserve to be who you are. You have to be strong, courageous and powerful because you were born to rock this world. Don't listen to others. Listen to your heart and guts and it will always light up your way and bring up you like to the top of happiness, freedom and peace to the place you truly deserve. So I hope everyone listens to this uh, piece of advice and like... Uh, yeah. get more educated yeah yeah like listening to your words boosts anyone's energy <laughs> it's good all day, but... please please <laughs> i'm asking you i'm begging you yeah. unfortunately mm -hmm. uh, we are now reaching the end of today's mm -hmm. episode mm -hmm. um thank you so much again once again mm -hmm. for all the thank you and uh, before we say goodbye uh, i would like you to take part in our ritual and mm -hmm. ask a question that you would like to see answered by our next pod podcast guest. Sure. So um, my question is, like, we all know that our worldview is formed during our childhood. How can you ensure that children understand the concept of gender equality and later perform it appropriately, like in the world, uh, in their careers, and etc.? Yeah, that's, uh, thank you for the mm -hmm. question. And it's... Uh, mm -hmm. really like something that we we need to think about for future mm -hmm. generations um, yeah. thank you we will look forward to for the answer our next guest will have yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> thank Good. you so much again for your time and inspiring insights it was mm -hmm. a pleasure having you here with us today and if our listeners want to know more about Uyghurs Ranyalia will be happy to answer all your questions by email, which will be placed on the description of this episode. So thank you also for that. Yes, uh, like no problem. Thank you so much, Diana, for inviting me and letting me speak. Like it's very important for me. And I really hope that now more people know about Uyghurs, as well as some insights uh, on Kazakhstani gender equality. Um, like we tried, you know, to speak as, you know, concretely as possible so that you don't like, you understand the current state, you understand about Uyghurs and you also understand about um, the like uh, Kazakhstan gender equality. And uh, I hope that it was very insightful and uh, everyone understood and right now aware of this fact. Uh, Diana, you, you are like a wonderful host uh, and I wish you all the best. I'm so proud of you. And because you are raising such important topics with people, uh, I'm glad that uh, you exist, <laughs> this podcast exists and uh, I really hope that you're going to like uh, invite more guests and raise even more important topics. And with that, our world will be better. So you are making this contribution. I'm very glad about this. Good luck to you in everything. And I'm really looking forward to listening uh, like all of your later podcasts. 
Thank you for having me. <laughs> I think there was no best way to end this semester's podcast <laughs> than celebrating human rights yeah. with you. So Thank do you. us, Ramilia, and check all our previous great episodes until the next release. Feel mm -hmm. free to always reach out to us on our social media accounts. You'll find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Looking forward to talking to you next semester. Until then, stay healthy and safe.